Hello and welcome to episode 168 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Butler, joined today with Phil Fariska. Hey everybody. And Brittany Mullins. Hey. And Pete DeMeo. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> That's <laughs> foreshadowing. Is it? Do, do you yes. want to give a disclaimer at this point in the show, Pete? No. I have I have my show notes clearly laid out in the the order in which I wish to. Uh, you, you know, the first rule of 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 ad libbing is you you got to say yes and you can't say no. It's not allowed. <laughs> you just completely derailed. I did. All right, so everyone, um, Pete apparently is in an honorary mood today. He's going to be a little grumpy, and that's because he's going to get his butt kicked later on in SmackDown. That is going to happen. You've seen some presidential debates. That weren't so presidential, and this this might get a little more unpresidential. The unpresidential debate that we're going to have today is about the direct booking strategies, the things your hotels should be doing in a post-COVID world. So really, looking at your budget for 2021, and we've we've each picked our top five things that you should be investing in 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 reverse order in 2021's budget. And we're going to kind of negotiate it out. We did this once before. I think it was, was it episode, what, 81 that we did before? Uh, well, back in 2018, we did this. Um, so we're going to do it again because a lot's changed since 2018. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. But, you know, it's a different world we live in today. So we'll see what's changed, what's stayed the same. I got a feeling, just a little little ting, tingling, a little spidey sense that Phil might cheat a little bit today. We'll see. I, I we'll don't see understand. <laughs> All right, we shall see. And Brittany, we pulled you in at the last minute, so thank you for stepping up. Melissa's out of town today, so we, we, we grabbed you last minute, but I'm sure you will come with the big guns blazing regardless. Yeah. I have big shoes to fill, so I have to, right? That's exactly right. You've you got you to gotta step up and do it Kavanaugh style. They don't call it a Terminator <laughs> for, no, for nothing. If you can throw in, a, throw in a few I'll... always be testings and you'll be right. <laughs> And just do it. That's her latest phrase she says all the time. All right. So before we get into the shenanigans today, let's see what's going on in the news Hotel marketing that cannot lose. Now it's time for news Thanks, Pete. You know, I get yep. letters every day telling me how much people love that. That little jingle right there. False. <laughs> <laughs> They're from me, Pete. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> Peter Stewart. Uh, so what's going on in the newsaries today, Phil? Google's getting sued. <laughs> <laughs> so the Justice, Justice Department is suing Google, uh, alleging multiple uh, violations of antitrust law. So, uh, yeah, they've been investigating Google for over a year Um just claiming that they have a monopoly on search engines, which, I mean, they, they kind of do. They have over 90% of all searches being performed on their platform. Um, so, I, you know, it's hard to, hard to disagree that uh, you know, they, ha- they definitely have a foothold. Um, I'm, I don't think it's necessarily a monopoly. I mean, they've, they've definitely established themselves as the number one search engine you know, people do say Google it instead of search it. They've, they've made themselves a verb. Uh, I think people appreciate their product and, and will continue to use it no matter what the government decides to do in, in terms of breaking them up, breaking up, I guess, alphabet. Um, but, you know, they Google has a lot of partnerships, you know, partnerships with um, phone manufacturers where, where they've become the... Um, the default browser on phones. We know most searches are done on phones, so obviously Google gets the majority of that. Um, I don't. I don't know that the government's going to end up winning this suit, and I'm and I'm really curious to see. You know, even if they do, what's going to come out of it? It's not like they can regulate the algorithm or make it worse. This is um, such a tricky one, right? Because it, it, it's different from Ma Bell and when they had all those antitrust lawsuits and broke up the phone system into the baby bells. 
because there is no true infrastructure or lines that are being used. You know, it's people are using the product that they think is best. And I think there's a there's a lot of manipulation on Google's side. I do not think that they're innocent in this by any means. But this is the first time something like this has really been brought to the courts that could really shake up big tech in general. Because if that works for Google, what happens to Facebook? What happens to Twitter? And you know, we already see you know the whispers of that you know in the halls of government already. Sure, and I think no matter no matter what they do. Google's going to find a way around this, as you know, big giant conglomerates always do. Uh, they're they're not just going to get broken up and say, oh, oh well, there there it goes. I mean, they they're going to find their loopholes. And it's not something that's happened overnight, right? There's a reason that Google already created Alphabet and spun different sections of the company into separate entities. They they know this was coming. The government, in fact, you know, did an investigation what seven or eight years ago now similar and, and, and ultimately decided not to file any actual lawsuit. Now, th- this one's going to be in the courts for a long, long time. This is going to be years at a minimum, and we'll probably end up, you know, debating semantics of the Sherman Act in, in you know, the Supreme Court a couple of years from now. But it, it's tough because Google, do they have the large majority of market share, sure they do. Do they pay for some of that, right? So is there potentially, could you argue that they are in collusion with Apple to get the mobile share? Well, some people would argue that they are, but really they're paying fair market value for it and there's nothing stopping Bing from from striking a similar deal. So I don't I don't know that they're going to win in that regard. The tricky thing is in, in the US is to, to prove that there's some kind of competitive advantage or something that is monopolistic, they really need to prove that there's someone being adversely affected. The consumer has to be proven to be at a disadvantage because of it. And I think that's going to be almost impossible to prove from a search engine perspective because really the stickiness of Google is not great. Like it's a very fragile monopoly because tomorrow there could be devastating headlines about Google doing nefarious things and everyone could decide overnight to switch to Bing or Yahoo or some other search engine. So it, it's it's a very fragile monopoly on on the search engine perspective. I think where they probably got more concern is the other consumer for Google, which is the advertiser. And, and I think we've all talked, I know we have on the show several times about Google is, is really that, that big 800-pound gorilla that, that everyone else is scared of that has this monopoly that's probably going to put Expedia and Booking.com out of business if they can, and that we all need to be really wary of. And so I don't know where this is going to end up, but I think it's going to be long. It's going to be arduous. Ultimately, Google may end up choosing to separate some things like they already have just to prevent this. But but I think, Pete, you're right. I don't think this is the last lawsuit. Although I don't think Twitter's going to be targeted because I don't think anyone could argue they have any kind of monopoly. But I think folks like Amazon, folks like Facebook could because Facebook owns, you know, Instagram and, and a bunch of other stuff. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But it's it's not going to affect your day to day, you know, in the next six to 12 months. It's certainly not. But it's something we need to keep an eye on. That is the truth. Mm-hmm. All right. All righty. So are we ready to... Roll up our sleeves. Yes. So, so, so here now, we go. Pete, do you want to do your disclaimer now? I do. So I'm going to introduce the podcast. So this is the 2021 Battle of the Hotel Budgets. Ladies and gentlemen, 2021 is going to be an exciting year, and the Battle of the Budgets are just starting to heat up. Departments claiming stake to budgets. Vendors are jockeying for position, and accounting is demanding those POs. In this episode of the podcast, we're going to pit the fuligans against one another to pick five of the most effective ways to spend your marketing budget and one that you can absolutely cut. So welcome to the podcast. You can grab a whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Monster Truck Rally of podcasts right now. Way to hype this up, Pete. You you could be a hype. Hey, if any hotels out there looking for your hype man, I think you just found him. Pete DeMeo, everyone. Friday, wow. Friday, are, Friday. This podcast. You you are multi talented. You're, you're a jingle extraordinaire. You can you can do announcing like like a WWE announcer. This is 
Shockingly surprising, man. I'm, I'm, a lot of people. Career in voice and yeah. voice. One, one, one person's compared me to micro. Only one. <laughs> but anyway, so, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the top five things that a hotelier can do with probably tighter budgets than in the past, and we're going to look at one thing that you have to cut. Now we did make I did make one little trick here, and this is the fill rule. It says one of the top five things that you want to spend your money on cannot be brand PPC. So we're assuming that our budget makers have seen what an amazing job brand PPC has done. So they're not even considering that part of the marketing budget for this conversation. It's a big part of 2021 for sure, but uh, it's pretty much locked itself in the uh, number one position. So that's off the table. Okay. So what we're going to do, this is the format. We're going to start with number five. We're going to each say what our number fives are in turn and justify why it's there. Now, if I say my number five is a specific thing and someone else has it higher on their list, that person gets to say, we're going to, we're going to punt on that one. We're going to talk about that later on because they're going to argue that it's more important than even the person that thought it was at that position. So if I said, for example, that um, billboards was at number five and Phil had it at number three, then we would wait until we get to round three to, to start talking about billboards. So makes how'd sense you know I had billboards on my list? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that should have been the other given number one, right? It, along yeah. with brand <laughs> that's, that's true, billboards. Yeah, right there with print magazines. All right, so kicking off round one, 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 number one, five, one, five, one, five, one. five, 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 five. So who wants to go first with their number five? You're first on the list. All right. I am going to say, you may disagree, you may agree, who knows, but my number five is strategic partnerships. That means going out, finding allies, restaurants, attractions, the DMO, local people, local in your area that are all trying to attract people, form a coalition to do some co-ops, to do some cross-promotion and to do some value adding where you combine the value that you provide with the value they provide and do it all in a way that generates more business for all of you. Boom, number five on the list. I love that one. In fact, I love it so much, Stuart, mm. that I have it higher. Ah, oh, son of a gun. <laughs> Does anyone else have that on their list? I didn't, but that's a really good one, and I'm kind of mad at myself for not including it. There's number six on your list? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> All righty. So, so Pete, seeing as you, Table it. you tabled that yep. one, what's your number five? So my, my number five, and this is going to maybe burn Phil and Brittany a little bit. I put SEO and local listing optimization That's is number list. five. What's that? That's higher on my list. I know it would be. Ooh. Well, okay. Well, here, I have an alternate number five. <laughs> you can't throw go pulling a, audibles in the middle of the Just the throw a big party for operations so that you all work together better. <laughs> that is good. All right. All right so so SEO is higher on your list, Brittany. So we'll table that. So Brittany, what's your number five? Five, 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 five. I put, I put photography and website updates, but I think, you know, I, I think I'm coming from a place of actually running marketing for clients and just there, you have to refresh that sometimes. And I think this year would be a good year to do it. All right. I, I sort of have that higher. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. This Much is becoming higher. interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So, Phil, you're the last one with, with a number five. Five, 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 one, five. Five, 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 five. All right. I have... Employing somebody or tasking someone to focus on your first-party data. Ooh. I don't have that on the list. No? No? Is it, am I the only one with this on the list? I, I, I sort of have it higher. Okay. Yeah. It, 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 it's under a different label, but it, it is that. Yeah. I have it higher. Okay. So all of our number fives are on someone else's list higher. How about that? And we And in full disclosure, we did not... There was no collusion here. We're not Google and Apple. We didn't we didn't compare notes before this. We're going in completely blind. We didn't even set the parameters other than the PVC caveat. We didn't say 
what categories you could pick or anything. It was completely blind. So that's it's really interesting that um, we think so similarly already. All right. You want to go ahead to number four, 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 four? Four, 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 four. All right. Do I go first so, again? Or? <clears throat> Do we want to get like uh, just like round robin it? Yeah. So we go yeah, back so, and forth. Yeah. So the yeah, snake draft. All right. So it's back on me. Mm-hmm. All right. So number four, I had uh, non-brand pay-per-click. Anybody? I, that was high on my list. list, but mine's a little more broad because I didn't know the rules before I came on. So. Mine, mine's pretty mine's pretty broad as well, but if it's higher on your list, we can table that. Okay. Brittany's just got like five number ones. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Um, number four on my list was actually SEO. So I'm sure that might be higher on Phil's list. Phil, do you have uh, SEO I on your have, list? I have a specific piece of SEO. I didn't go as broad as simply SEO. Ooh. All right. Well, I think, did Brittany take the square on that one? Yeah, go for it. Stand, yeah, defend tough. your position, tell, Brittany. Tell us why you believe that. Um, well, I think it's, one, important to um, keep your website healthy, obviously, so you can maintain your rank on Google. But people are going to be, you know, if you want people to find you and find you not just through brand, but through <clears throat> other non-brand or related keywords that might revolve around your property, I think you have to maintain uh, strong SEO, you know, whether that's through, um, you know, the FAQ schema, the hotel schema, the content, um, and just keeping your pages up to date and making sure you're doing those health checks. So yeah. I kind of did a broad overall view of it because um, it's all important, but yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Content, I mean, especially the, the content creation portion and improving your existing content. If you if you see yourself dropping in rankings for uh, terms that typically you know used to bring you in a lot of traffic, well, you need to figure out why you're dropping in rankings. Is it is it you know overall site health? Is that an issue? Are your competitors just creating better content than what you had? Um, how can you improve your content to to be better than the competition, uh, especially in Google's eyes. Um, I, I think, I think SEO is, is very, very important. Um, particularly from, from content enhancement and content creation. I, I can't, I can't argue that. And I think you made a great, great case. I think it's, it's very important. It sort of crops up on my list in a sort of, sort of two different ways, but yeah, I think anyone that's not focused on this right now, is losing a big opportunity because people are searching, you know, there's fewer people searching, but that means you've got to do a better job of, of catching the folks that, that are searching. You've got to reach them higher on the search engine. If you want more visibility, you've got to get more. And we are seeing more and more, and we are seeing more and more revenue being directly attributable to content development. You know, I think it, it now it's somewhat common in our meetings to say, this article generated this amount of money and it's usually always more than the investment that you put into the article and it's going to be con- generating con- money for years and years to come. Yep. I agree. I, I think it's a well worth worthy number four on the list. Good job, Brittany. Cool. Thanks. I feel right. no, it's, it's, me. it's on Pete. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Sorry, Pete. All right. So my number four is Stuart's number five. Make the most of your local DMO chambers, CVBs, and partnerships. Defend your position, sir. So here's here's the thing. We see that search is getting more constricted. Less people are searching, and you want to make sure that you are not only being an amazing part of your community, but you're also out there as much as possible. And what we've seen is through all of the troubles we've had with COVID is those top of funnel areas such as DMOs, a a local chamber, CVBs, those are still getting a a good amount of traffic and the ROAS that we're seeing coming into the hotels from those DMOs is as good or better than ever has been in the past. And because you cannot 
afford the broad reach type campaigns that a DMO or a chamber could do, you really want to take advantage of the money that they've spent by kind of, uh, you know, partnering along with it. Plus all the other good benefits that come along with being a good member of the community and access to that data. This is, this is one of those things where if it was, you know, we've talked about this in the past, if there, if there were no Google, if there were no OTAs, how would people find out about you? Um, that that's definitely, you know, through partnerships is, is one of, one of the largest ways people, people would find out about you. Um, and, and I think that's the way hotels, hotels need to be thinking. And we always say it, that people in in a vast majority of cases, people are not coming to your hotel because they want to sleep in your beds. They're coming to your destination and your hotel is, is the best choice for them to be at the destination, not necessarily just to be at the hotel. And side note. One of the best things about creating partnerships is getting links back to your website. So, well, yeah, and, and access to their consumers, right? There's a good chance that anyone that you're partnering with has a database that now you can promote to as well, and, and that's reciprocated. So, if there's a local brewery, a local restaurant, a local DMO, anything, even this is it sounds crazy. Even if there's other properties in your market that don't really appeal to necessarily the exact same type of guest at the exact same time, or even if they do. Pulling your money together to promote the destination right now may be a good idea because everyone's in destination marketing today. Everyone's got to encourage people to, to travel. Everyone has to do their part in trying to get recovery to occur in the travel industry by showing people that it's safe to travel responsibly. So maybe form a co-op of three or four companies, throw some money into a kitty together and build a portal website for your destination and just have your four or five properties promoted on it. I think it's something that we've seen to be effective um, in, in certain markets that we've done that. And now I think you can really move the needle because everyone else is going to be pulling back on their advertising. So your money will go a little further. So if you pull your money with other folks, you could get a bigger bang for your buck. So that was why I had it on number five. But yeah, I, I could all of mine are really could could have easily been interchanged from five to one. I think they're all very close equally yeah. important when i put these rules together i was like okay i'm gonna make it five because top 10 is tricky and then mm -hmm. i found it's actually a lot harder to call down everything that you want to do into just five things yeah which is why my number four is is the following so <clears throat> this, this is where you need to hang on to the edge of your seats guys so we're going to go with a super fast mobile friendly ada compliant website with a kick-ass CMS that handles all of the technical SEO stuff and seamlessly integrates with a mobile-first booking engine that uses psychology to nudge people through the funnel, reduces friction, oh yes, and has kick-ass analytics. So that's going to be our number four. <laughs> so everything? All right. Sounds good. <laughs> it's basically having a good mousetrap, right? We talk about having a mousetrap on here, but but... Focusing on the fact that your conversion funnel, your website conversion funnel works really, really well. That it's fast, that it's frictionless, that it uses psychology, that your booking engine doesn't open in a new tab, that your booking engine doesn't suck, as Melissa would say. Um, just doing an audit of that process, making sure that you're doing the best you can because right now you're going to get less traffic than you've ever had before. The competition is going to be higher for the people that are shopping you've got to do a better job of closing the deal. And the best way to do a better job of closing the deal is to have a better mousetrap. So that's what number four is. <laughs> well, I have portions of that as higher. So, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put Stuart down for hotel marketing. <laughs> <laughs> My number three, two, and one are all a lot more um, linear. Let's say that. Your, your three, two, and one say reference number four. <laughs> Pete, hey, uh, Phil said he was going to cheat, so I decided I, I would. Yeah. I would. <laughs> but everything you say is the gospel. It's awesome. All right. So now we're moving on to number three, 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 three. All right. So my number three is your CRM, your your own data, um, which I think someone was it. Brittany had that lower. No, that was me. I had no, that number five. Yeah. I have CRM a little bit higher. All right. So I will table it. So Pete, what's your number three? 
My number three is meta search, such as GHA and TripAdvisor. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had that as number three, too. Woohoo! Virtual high five, Pete. All right. Anybody else have it higher? Nope. I don't have it. Not on my list. All right. Brittany, why do you think that belongs there? Well, I had I had a little bit more. I also had non-brand PPC, but I think I think like GHA and TripAdvisor are just avenues that, you know, are becoming bigger and bigger. And we're seeing, you know, some of our clients have more and more success with them. Um, that I think it's a great avenue to spend whatever small budget you have to get big results, even though I know branded PPC isn't on the table, but that's always our number one. But I think these two avenues are a really good way, mm-hmm. um, you know, to get to drive bookings. Yeah, yep. that, that's kind of why I put it there as well. I mean, the, the thing, the way I see it is if someone's at the point where they're looking at your property or are ready to be exposed to your property, you need to make sure you're there in front of the OTAs and your competitors. That's first and foremost, because it's going to be harder and harder to find those guests that we need. We don't want to give them away when they're that close to, to booking directly at our property. And then, and then the other reason that I have this on here is, and I kind of combine it as meta search. We've seen something really interesting and Phil, you can chime in on this, but Sometimes GHA does better than TripAdvisor. Sometimes, you know, other meta search engines are doing better than any of those two combined. So having one fluid budget that you can move between whatever meta avenue you're going down at the moment makes a lot of sense. And having someone on your team who's looking at that and not just set and forget it type mentality, I think is important for 2021. Very, very good point, Pete. Having having fluidity of budget between these these any really any paid um, platform. Now, obviously, you want to have a presence on all because you don't want to just be giving up every booking uh, to an OTA through through any specific platform. But being able to have a a budget for you know, paid media or just if you want to refine it even more, meta search. Like you said, if you if you can shift if, if GHA is the one that's performing really, really well for you, uh, especially you know this month, well, maybe you can pull some out of TripAdvisor, put it to GHA, vice versa, or to Kayak or to Trivago, whatever, whatever is really getting you the best return on your ad spend is where you need to be shifting your budget, and you need to be able to be fluid with that. Yeah, it's a good one. I had it at five B on my list, so it was, it was, <laughs> it was. It was Not a consideration. It didn't quite make five. It was five B. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's something that's grown in in terms of its effectiveness over the last several years. We've been talking about it for a long time. I still think there's a massive barrier to entry for a lot of small properties, though. I think a lot of people stay away from it because they don't know how to get on those channels. I think that's that's you know, Google hasn't made that easy. They're, they're trying to make it easier. TripAdvisor certainly hasn't made it easy, and they're trying to. So. Um, you know, if it's something you're struggling with, but you're curious about it, you know, give us a shout because we can help you either, either we can get you connected or we can point you in the direction of some folks that, that can get you connected to these channels. And, you know, it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to break the bank to get on these channels and just run a small test budget to see what kind of ROI you can get. And then, you know, you can see if you, you have the, the powder to expand that beyond an initial test. But yeah, just give us a shout if you're interested in Meta, because I think it is something that, in 2020 and 2021, everyone should be participating in. So info at fueltravel.com is that email address if you're interested in us helping you point you in the right direction with MetaSearch. Info at fueltravel.com. All right. All right. So that crosses off me and Brittany. Phil, what's your number three? Number three is switch to a better booking engine. I had that higher. Okay. Wow. She is challenging her inner <laughs> Melissa today. <laughs> You've got to say that other booking engines suck, though. That then you can really okay. take the crown. Other booking engines suck, and then you have to play the clarinet. Yeah, I don't do those things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so should I go to my number two then? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Goes right into number two, 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 two. All right. Two, 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 two. Uh, my number two was. This was my specific SEO piece. Page speed improvements. 
I don't hate it, man. I don't hate it. I think it's a really smart thing to to point out. Yeah, go for it. So we did an entire episode on this um, with Google pushing their core web vitals as a new ranking factor that they're really going to be focusing on, uh, especially in the in the upcoming year. Um, this is this is going to be a make or break for many of you out there who have very similar content to your competitors. Uh, it's really really hard when everybody has really good content. How Google wants to determine who outranks who. This is going to be the kicker. If your website is faster, easier to use, no um, silly things going on on a mobile device while people are trying to consume the content. It, 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 this is what's going to get you to outrank all of your competitors organically. Um, and it really just creates a better user experience. So you know, people will be more likely to, to visit you, consume your content, make it down your conversion funnel if you have a really fast website. And this may mean a brand new website for you. If you have a five, six-year-old website that's bogged down and a bunch of unnecessary code and giant images and uh, just an old platform, it's probably time to get a new website. So maybe that's your your big budget for you know for 2021 is a new website for your hotel. But if you have a fairly new website and it's just really slow because you haven't put effort into this or money into this yet, it's it's probably time for significant page speed improvements. Because it will become so, so, so important. You got through all that without saying first contentful paint. I'm very, very impressed at you. <laughs> if you want to hear about first contentful paint or the largest contentful paint, you can go listen to our, my entire droning episode about <laughs> core web vitals and page speed improvements. Yeah, I, I would say people do need to. I've had this conversation with a lot of people in the last few months. You know, they're, they're looking at what can they invest in for the future. And it, it, I'm very mindful of the fact that people don't have a lot of money right now. But to me, the reinvesting in the website, updating the website, the speed of it, maybe even re architecting it completely, um, it, it's to me, it's like giving the property a new lick of paint, right? It, it's something you have to do regularly. If you don't, it'll catch up to you and you don't know exactly when it's going to catch up to you there's not a day where you just come in and you say oh the property just looks a bit run down it, it's a gradual step-by-step -step thing and you might not notice it if you're not paying attention but one day you're going to come in and that website's just not going to be cutting it anymore and your con your competition's going to be above you so i think it's it's a worthy uh, addition to the list phil for sure well thank you shouldn't have been that high but it is still a worthy addition <laughs> See, I wasn't just going to throw SEO out there, but being the, you know, I, I at least have Brittany on my side here, being the resident SEO zineer, it, it deserved to be really uh, high on my list. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I love it. I love that you're specific because I do think that, you know, SEO is this homogenous kind of broad term that doesn't really mean a whole lot of specific to a lot of people right so the fact that you're, you're really focused on that one thing it, it's it's good because if people are focused on it that's where their energy will go and that's what will get done so i definitely think focusing on your page speed in, in the next few months is, is a good exercise or a good use of your time all right so pete what's your number well it's Brittany's turn Brittany's oh, turn. Sorry. this is where i had um, a mobile first booking engine all right, let's talk booking engine. Does anybody have it higher than that? No, it was bundled in in my number four. So yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't. I, I really feel like this one's pretty self-explanatory. Um, in a mobile world, I think it's so frustrating to look for. I mean, I feel like, and I'm sure we've done studies on this, but like when you go and look for where you're traveling to or trying to book a hotel website, like there's nothing more frustrating than something not working to the, like to the best functionality for your, your mobile phone. Um, so that's why I put that. And obviously having that smooth um, frictionless user experience all the way through. And I know that's just something so important, even when you're running PPC and stuff, if, if you have a clunky process, it's going to make everything else in your marketing strategy 
you know, it's, it's going to cause friction with everything else. So that's yeah. why it was as high up on my list. If you have, if you have a, a poor mobile experience on your booking engine, guess who doesn't? OTAs. So if someone doesn't feel comfortable or doesn't like dealing with your mobile booking experience, they're going to leave you and they're going to book somewhere else because it truly doesn't matter to them if they're getting the, the same rate. So having that, that, that awesome mobile booking experience is going to probably be one of the best things to get you more direct bookings. They won't leave you and go book with an OTA. You've already got them to your site. You've got them through the process. Let them book in a secure, simple manner. And we did an entire episode on this, episode 131. Um, you know, this is the your booking engine sucks episode, <laughs> but go back and listen to that. If you want uh, you know, a, a full recap of what your booking engine needs to have all of the check boxes that it needs to check off for, for you to have, have the best booking engine for you. And the things that it doesn't need to do, like it doesn't need to look different from your website. It doesn't need to open in a new tab. It doesn't need to suck as Melissa would say. So, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. need to go to a different domain. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's part of that cause it, you know, that causes the friction and the, that's annoying when you're doing anything and it opens in different places or multiple Especially pages. on mobile. And we've proven, we have data to back this up where we show that just, just keeping the booking engine in the same domain, in the same window, looking like your website has a tremendous in, incremental increase in bookings. And the thing is, when you increase your conversion rate on your booking engine, you're literally improving the performance of every single dollar you spend on every single mm -hmm. cha channel. So it, it accumulates to something significant. Even if you can improve conversion rate by 1% or 2% or 10%, think about that. That's across every dollar you spend. That, that well, hits also, your bottom it's not, line. And it's also not 1% or 2%. I mean, when we rolled out initially the, the fuel booking engine in its current iteration, we were seeing 50, 100% increases in conversion rates on mobile devices. Yeah, especially on mobile, yeah. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah, so I, I mean a good exercise would be to, to go and look at your Google Analytics or, or Omniture or, or, or Adobe Analytics, whatever you look at for your analytics system, and just go look at what your conversion rate is on desktop and then compare it to what it is on mobile. And then look at what percentage of your overall traffic is on mobile versus desktop. And then compare that to your overall bookings and revenue on mobile and desktop. Just look at those. If there's a big discrepancy there, you have a problem with your booking engine. Because mm -hmm. in 2020, we don't see that. In, in our clients, we don't see the discrepancy. There's a slight decrease, but it's not significant enough. If, if your traffic is majority mobile now, your bookings should be majority mobile. If they're not, either you're a super high-end property, which tend to skew more desktop, or you're doing something very, very wrong. But even with higher-end properties, it's it's second nature for people to make purchases on their phone. And we're seeing like 80-plus percent a lot of times of mobile visits to a website, and like you said, well beyond the majority of bookings on a mobile device even higher if you factor in those few weird people who are still using tablets yeah <laughs> Here it is. apple just came out with new ipads are you kidding me yeah well, ricochet so, shot against tablet users right there but okay <laughs> well that, that kind of leads me into i guess my second one is is the same as both tablet optimization it, it was it was site improvements and focusing on I, I'm calling them Gen 2 mobile-first sites. So we really haven't talked about you know site redesigns in a while, but I feel like if you have a mobile-first site, again, I'm just echoing what you guys have already said, that's not good enough anymore. We really need to be looking at that second generation of what a mobile-first site should be, looking more in the app-like direction, making it incredibly seamless, you know, remembering what, people are looking for making it personalized and getting it as close as possible to the amazon.com experience that a lot of people are just expecting now that they've used it for so long. And Pete, you said, you said app like, shouldn't they just get an app? You know, I don't, 
If they're staying at the property, yes. But if you're shopping for a property, I don't know that. Yeah, you're right. Well, I, I, I mean, I maybe not point. the first time. But but <clears throat> keep in mind that people shop for a property multiple times. And yeah. I, I would say you absolutely need a mobile app if you're going to have someone stay with you more than once. Yeah. And I was struggling because, with that. But And we're seeing a lot of direct bookings coming through mobile apps for the, the folks that have had it for more than a year. It, it, it I think over time it could become a tremendous direct booking channel. In, in one that really has a massive advantage because it means that people aren't going to Google. They're not getting exposed to the OTAs. They're booking direct with you because they're coming straight to your mobile app. So just the way we go to our banking mobile app or Amazon's mobile app or Uber Eats mobile app, coming to a hotel's mobile app, I, I think for leisure travelers and business travelers, I think it's going to continue to be more and more effective. We're already seeing tremendous data in, in ours. And uh, I think it's only going to increase. We we have one oh. group of ten properties book over five hundred thousand dollars in direct revenue last year, room revenue last year. So yeah, definitely people is, vacation. Is people vacation in the same spots. People take their business trips in the same cities. When they're traveling back to that location, why not just open the app rather than go search through everything again? I mean, it 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 makes so much sense. And honestly. It's surprising to me when I look at the data and see how many people actually book through the mobile app because I didn't expect it. But honestly, you know, I, I should be expecting it because it's it's kind of what I do when I shop for anything. Not 93% of consumers' time on a phone is spent in-app. It's not spent in browser. It's it's not the natural place to go for a browser. And you think about it, every time you want to go to that hotel website, you've got to go back and find it. You've got to go to Google, get exposed to all these other things. A native mobile app space isn't such a problem anymore. People are willing to keep apps forever, especially with the new library feature on the new iOS devices. People don't delete their apps, and they do come back and they do book. So I, I think even though mobile app isn't on anyone's list, we spent a lot of time talking about it because it's a really important investment this year. So what is on your number two list, Stuart? Ooh, my number two is content. And that's that's a broad term, but that that includes what Brittany talked about earlier on, like f photography. It's written content, but it's also signage in the property. It's it's your um, it's it's your pages on Google My Business. It's your pages on the OTAs. It's going through and making sure you're updating your content everywhere exists, because one, that's how people will find you. You know, through search, through through even your ads land on our, our content, which which attract people, and then they land on content on your landing page. But it's also what sells people on you. The content, you know, making sure that it's up to date, making sure that it's talking about the things you're doing to protect this your staff and your guests, talking about the things that um, people need to expect when they come to the property, talking about what's going on in the local community, talking about all the things they can do and can't do when they get there. Content is, you know, what, what is it? Tim says content is king, customer experience is queen, and uh, data is the crown jewels. I'm going to I'm gonna push back a little bit. I don't think content is king because I've got a different number one. I think content might actually be queen, but it's not an alliteration, so it doesn't sound as good. But I think content is probably the second most important thing you can be doing right now. Yeah. That's it? Just a year? Yeah. I, I mean, I had it further down, so I I still think booking engine is number two. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You can be wrong. <laughs> All right. So, so now we're, um, we're going to the big guns, huh? Number one. Number one, 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 one. For the knockout. For the KO. Finish him. All right. So it's me, right? So I'm going to go with, and I'm telling you, Tim, Tim might be wrong. I'm going with the guest experience and following that advocacy as my number one spot. So I think customer experience is actually king and content is queen. Because without a good experience, no amount of marketing is going to help. And right now, especially now, you've got to show people that they can travel safely, that they can have a great time. And the advocacy part, you know, using tools like Flip2, um, making sure that they go and leave reviews, making sure that they're leaving positive social sentiment everywhere they go. And most importantly, mo making sure that they're spreading positive vibes about travel and about staying with you through word of mouth. That, that advocacy portion, encouraging that, I think is the most important thing you can do right now. If we want travel to recover, 
We've got to get the people that are traveling to one, have a great experience, and then two, go tell everyone they know and shout from the rooftops that it's okay to travel right now. So that, my friends, is number one. So there's the end of the episode, everybody. We don't need to hear anyone else's. Everybody walk away. <laughs> I definitely think that's important, for sure. I think five is hard, because there's so many things that yeah. feel important. That Yeah, for sure. All right, so Pete, you want to go with your number one? one, 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 one? Yeah, so my number one is an amazing CRM system. And Ooh. the reason I put this at the very top of the list is because money is tight. And you've already invested money and you've already received the dividends of getting a person into your CRM system. You need to now invest the money into communicating with them and not just via email, but look at like a true multi-touch point CRM, something like our fuel CRM, but let you touch people via the, an app, let them touch people via a text message or an email or whatever it might be. And then really focus on making that CRM send the right trigger messages right when the customer needs it. Because that should really become the backbone. And I feel like we should really just focus on that as being the the hub where we get that right. Everything else should follow in line. Yeah. yeah. I had it on my list pretty high for the for the same reason reasons. I think your your personal da- the data you have on your guests it's their data not yours but the data that you have the privilege to to leverage right now is probably the biggest asset you have um when 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 tim says about data being the cr- crown jewels this is what he's talking about right you you have this data that's so valuable that no one else has that you have in- insight and information the fact that most hotels still aren't leveraging this to the best of their ability, still aren't combining data from multiple sources into a single three-dimensional model of each guest so you can tell what they like, what they don't like, what their patterns and behaviors are, is crazy to me. It doesn't have to be expensive today. There's tools out there. Blue Shift um, with Fuel is one of them. Or AI-powered CRM, but there's others out there. Making sure you're maximizing, making sure you're setting up triggers, making sure you're sending people constant little trickles of information that's valuable to them. It, it's going to help right now because the people that are shopping right now, they're probably going to try to stay in something sort of safe in their mindset. If they've stayed with you before, you got a great chance of getting them to come back if you're telling them the right things and you're doing the right things to, to make them feel comfortable. So going and communicating with the guests that, that have stayed previously and then moving forward, we do know from our sentiment study data that people are taking frequent trips right now. They're not staying as long, but they're taking frequent trips and they will continue to take frequent trips through the fall and through the winter. So collecting guest data, collecting data from OTA guests, from first-time guests, from everyone that stays with you and making sure you're trying to drive them back into your funnel, making sure you're driving them to communicate and advocate for you. That's so, so critical right now. And your CRM is not your email platform. It can do so much more in terms of, you know, feeding audiences to Google, to Facebook, everything else that's involved with the CRM system. Your email is a component of it, but it's the AI and the machine learning within the CRM that determines how you need to connect with each individual person as a person, not as a number on your database. Yeah, I had this I had this on my list a little bit lower, but uh, not that any of them are unimportant. But I what I what I put it this as is employ someone to focus on your first party data. So this person that I'm talking about is the one that is creating your data collection plan, knowing what to collect, where to collect it, why it's being collected. That this person would also be in charge of organizing and segmenting the database. Um, you know, using that central location to house these full guest profiles for both marketing and operational use, but but knowing everything you can about each of your guests for, for a specific purpose, right? Um, this person would also be in charge of securing that data, keeping only what you need, keeping it secure, and, and then distributing it to the appropriate team. So marketing team would have you know, their purposes for some of this data operations would have purposes for some of their data, but 
that's that's why I put it on my list as as one of the top five. Because first party data is not only is it you know using it correctly is extremely effective, but losing things like we had a whole episode about you know not having third party cookies in the near future this first party data is going to be incredibly impactful for you moving forward in your marketing efforts. So having someone in charge of it, keeping it secure and using it for the right reasons is, is so, so important. You know, you know what I love about your contribution today? I think you just won MVP by the way, but you, what you've done really, really well is be, be specific and actionable. You know, you've operationalized some of this stuff. You know, we, we the rest of us are talking about, you know, CRM and the, and the kind of high-level 30,000-foot view, but you're getting down into the tactical. Here's specifically what you need to do with the site speed, focusing on that or getting someone specifically in the property to focus on this specific thing. I, I like it, man. I think, I think if I was a hotelier, I'd be sitting there thinking, wow, Phil, Phil's been really helpful to me today. These other clowns, you know, a <laughs> little bit, but Phil's been really helpful. So good job, buddy. Well, thank you. Virtual high five. There you go. All righty. Who else is number one do we want to hear? Whose turn is it? I don't know. My power went out for a second, so I, I don't know. I... Um, my turn, I, I said for number one, I said communication, but I definitely like Pete's better. Um, my thought process was just, um, you know, multiple, I wrote down multiple touch points um, throughout the year, not just sending offers, but, um, you know, useful information, segmenting lists, and just keeping, you know, nurturing your, um, that data that you have, because, you know, nobody, nobody wants to just get offers constantly. So I liked Pete's better because I like what an amazing CRM system can do. Um, but kind of along the same lines, just communication, um, multiple touch points, you know, and have a plan. So you guys both had that at number one. I had it at number three and Phil had it at number what? four or five. five yeah so i think that might be the number one overall right it's got to be I, I i'd have to say it is yeah for sure all right so phil what's your wrong number one well i don't did we talk about somebody said they had non-brand ppc higher than me did was that when my power went out that i missed that discussion no, Brit, Brittany I, had, I, had I, with meta search i think mine it more fell in with meta search um, okay pete's can I can I can I tag on that real quick then, mm-hmm. before I tell my number one? Sure. So so your non-brand PPC, uh, and I'm not necessarily you know just referring to Google. You can you can test PPC on other platforms, like particularly if you have a you know very very visually stunning property doing something like like Pinterest PPC, trying that out. Um, but testing these exploratory campaigns like like display remarketing or Google's new discovery campaigns, video campaigns, um, things that can generate really, really great awareness. Um, it may not generate the same kind of returns as you'd see from like the brand PPC that we talked about isn't included, but it's it's definitely worth your time to to generate some brand awareness and and even more so if you're a brand new property. Um, but one thing I would note, just a side note, if you're if you're doing these non-branded campaigns, make sure you're using a uh, a non-last-click attribution model, so something like a linear attribution or a time decay attribution, so you can see if these non-branded campaigns are assisting your branded campaigns. Yeah, right. definitely don't hold them to the same accountability is is end of funnel campaigns because they're gonna it's gonna on paper look like they're not performing nearly as well and it's easy to make a rash budget decision to pull away from the top of funnel and put it into bottom of funnel and it just you got it you got to invest at every level of the funnel and we're gonna be talking about that in uh, more detail in an upcoming episode for sure but yeah great point right. again so what's your number one my <laughs> number one is where you called me a cheater so I, tr- I turned it I turned it to marketing. So it was originally on-property improvements, but I changed it to promotion of on-property improvements. <laughs> <laughs> Which, that was your um, last time we did it, an episode um, 
whenever that was, 81? Yeah. Let yeah, me, let was, me, let me tell you exactly one. why. Uh, because when you have a property that is, you know, isn't receiving bad reviews about all, kind, <clears throat> all kinds of stuff, it's, it's, easy for, it's easy for a marketing team to sell it. Uh, if, you, if you're doing the right things on property, marketing becomes much, much, much easier. So all the things we're saying you should be budgeting for, well, your budget goes a lot farther if you have a better product to sell. So one thing I would recommend is, you know, just read your online reviews and find out where the shortcomings are with your property. What are people complaining about? Is it is it cleanliness? Is it, um, you know, rude staff? Is it whatever? Just just figure out where your shortcoming is and fix it. And then after it's fixed, go to your your reviewers who left those bad reviews, reply to them, tell them, you know, we've taken steps to fix X, Y, and Z. You know, next time you stay with us, this will no longer be a problem. Uh, that also, not only does it make the person who left the bad review probably feel you know, maybe a little bit better. It, all those people reading reviews then know that you've taken care of a situation. And I would say, you know, lastly, I think someone mentioned photography earlier. If it's like a renovation type thing that, that you've done to improve your property, take photographs of it. Upload new photographs to your Google My Business, to your TripAdvisor, to, to all of your, you know, OTA listings. Make people know that you have improved your property in whatever way shape or form you did it yeah so i i think that overlaps a lot with what i was trying to articulate with the guest experience and the advocacy because you're right marketing in general shines a light and amplifies what you have whether that's good bad or ugly and so it, it's obviously a lot easier to market something that it has positive sentiment and more importantly it, it costs you less money to market because your entire guest History becomes your advocates. They become your sales force. They, they go out and promote the property for you if they have a great experience, which is why I do think the, the, the guest experience is, is always probably the number one thing you should focus on. For every team member in every department should always focus on the guest experience. If you do that right, the rest of it is a lot, lot, lot easier. All right. Can we move to the chopping block? Well, even even though Phil broke the rules, it's so important that uh, we'll give him a waiver on on that number one. Appreciate it, Pete. No hey, I, I'd said the president broke the rules at number four, so we're, I think we're okay. <laughs> yeah, Stuart's right. number four was everything. So <laughs> just right, do so everything. So we're going on to the second phase. It's just one of these. So it's it's what what would you chop? What's on the block to get chopped from your marketing budget? What can you reduce or eliminate completely from your budget in 2021? So who wants to go first on this? I got a feeling there might be some overlap. I'll kick it off. All right. So number one thing I would say, you know, if, if you're deciding where to spend your money, the one thing you cut off, like ads on Facebook. They're definitely more important things which we just mentioned a ton of them that you should be focusing on and using, you know, spending your money on. And there, honestly, there's really free, great ways to build your social following. You don't need to be spending money on it. You can chop that. And once you get a like, do you have to pay again to get that customer to see your stuff in the future anyway? Right. Good point. That's a good All one. Right. Yeah, that is a good one. I would I, I would say even before now, you shouldn't be spending a ton of money on likes. It's actually a negative impact when you look at it because of how the Facebook algorithm works, the bigger your database, the, the, the harder it is to get exposure to the people because it, it looks at you know percentages. And the more people you pay to join your, your list that aren't as qualified as the people that came before, the, their percentage chance of engaging with you reduces. So over time you get a less fanatical list, which by definition doesn't engage as well, which means fewer people are going to end up seeing your stuff. So it hey, actually hurt you to have a bigger page. Melissa's not here, so I'm throwing a caveat in for her. Melissa, caveat. <laughs> uh, this, I would not say this if you are a brand new hotel, brand new property. Uh, you you may need to build a social following in, a, in whatever way possible, and like ads might be that way. Uh, but if you're an established hotel, you know, established marketing and probably somewhat of a following already, cut off your like ads. 
good one. All right, who wants to go next? I, uh, I'm next, and great minds think alike, because I also had um, Facebook advertising down, and particularly sponsored ads and like campaigns. Yeah, high five. Yeah, high five. There's so, so many I, people angry with us right now that, 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 that <laughs> this is what they're peddling, you know. There's about to be more people angry at us in a minute, though. I put down, if you have to cut something, I put direct mail. And I that was a hard call for me. Ooh. <laughs> oh, Pete, how dare you? <laughs> and, and here's why I say that, is if you're using your CRM properly, you're going to really have a good understanding of you know, who responds to what best. And if budgets are tight, I feel like you could get a better return on investment in other mediums before direct mail. I don't think direct mail is bad. And I think if you have extra budget to put toward it in an incredibly hyper-targeted way, you should. But top line, chop it. I don't know if I agree with that one, man. It's the kind of channel where I feel like so many people have pulled back from that it's more effective than it's ever been if it's if it's done right. Uh, I think I, maybe I can I get on board Pete's with point, re- reducing reducing your investment. Maybe you know, still doing it, but doing it a lot more targeted. I think you should should if it's something that's been effective for you in the past with a certain group of people, maybe an older age demographic, then maybe do it. But well, I think I think that was Pete's point. You know, if you know someone, if you if you're paying close attention to your you know customer database, you know someone responds to direct mail. Well. Create that group of people who respond to direct mail and send them direct mail. Don't just send direct mail to everybody. Yeah, I think you're right. You look at the price of it, not in terms of postage only, but in terms of of bandwidth of your time, of printing, of design, all of the stuff that goes along with it, including building the the landing page where people come from the direct mail piece. It becomes so expensive that. If you give me the dollar that you would have spent in direct mail, I can get you a better return on investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I can I can buy into that. I just think look at your your direct mail as a part of your CRM. You know, I think as we were talking about earlier, and Pete mm-hmm. mentioned, CRM is not email. That's not that's that's one small component. CRM is is customer relationship management. It, it's the outbound phone calls. It's the inbound phone calls. It's the emails. It's the text messages. It's the push notifications. It's it's the direct mail. It's the syndication to your advertising segment segmented groups. It's remarketing. All of that is part of your CRM, and you need a platform like Fuel's AI powered CRM that can handle all of that and, and inform all of that and pull data in from all of that. And and that will help you make those decisions about where to pull back because you'll be able to see the cost and you'll be able to see the ROI on those things. Alrighty. So my Which number my my chopper my chopper is any generic display advertising where the vendor is stealing attribution. That's what you need to stop. <laughs> I so wanted to put that one too, but I, you word it much more eloquently than I would, would have. Pete yeah. would have just said a, a vendor name. <laughs> yeah. In any non-specific display advertising promoter that is charging you a percentage commission and not really generating the revenue that they're charging you commission on, stop doing that right now. That would be my advice. It's a waste of money. Alrighty. There you have it. There's a hey, five uh, and one. Dump. Melissa's not here, but analytics should be on the list. Analytics, 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 analytics. Yeah, I, I think if you look at our ten number, our ten list from 2018, we did have analytics on those lists. Yes. Um, it's just tough to justify investing in that in 2020 when we're in such a downturn in demand. Like everything we do really needs to be focused on creating demand right now. Um, but you do need a, a, an analytics foundation to be able to measure success, obviously, which is why my number four, which included the world, included, <laughs> oh, and by the way, analytics. Yeah, I, I think I think analytics falls in the same boat as <laughs> brand PPC. It, it didn't need to it didn't need to be included on these lists because that's a given. You should yeah. be doing that. You shouldn't be doing any of these if you can't track them. So understand what you're doing. Um, that's that's. Uh, that's that's a given. Yep. Exactly. 
Well, hopefully this episode helped. We'll put the show notes up at fueltravel.com slash podcast, and you can click on episode 168. If you agree or disagree, shoot us a, a, a note, uh, info at fueltravel.com, or a lot of folks recently been hitting us up on LinkedIn as well. We'd love to have this discussion with you as well. Um, so just let us know. And speaking of feedback from listeners, Pete, I think we have some more listener feedback. This is like unprecedented role of listener feedback right now. It's been back to back to back. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and this one comes to us from Karen, and she says, great podcast on cyber deals, which is pretty cool because we literally just dropped that one yeah. too. She, she sent it like I, the day after it was published, I think. Yeah. She says, I'm furiously putting to new deals together with your advice. If you have passes for cyber high tech, would love to go as a listener of the Fuel Travel Marketing Podcast. So, Karen, we Thanks. have you covered as a listener of the podcast, and anyone else that's listening right now, you can't delay though it's it's we're recording this on thursday the 22nd high tech starts next tuesday so you got to get in in quick but you can either email info at fueltravel.com or if you go to fueltravel.com slash high tech you will see a form right there that you can fill out and as a guest of fuel if you're a hotelier not if you're a supplier but if you're a hotelier we can get your free show tickets to the main show floor at high tech so fueltravel.com slash high tech or info at fueltravel.com but you gotta do it quick we're publishing this this episode on october 23rd so you really need to get it in by october 26th to be able to get that because we're going to be at high tech we're going to be showing off our mobile app technology with keyless entry id verification uh, credit card processing check-in check-out does all all the things your custom mobile app would need to do we're also going to be showing off our AI-powered CRM that we've talked about a good bit on this show, and obviously CRM is something you need to be investing in this year, so we'll be showing that off. And then, of course, our flagship product, the Fuel Mobile Booking Engine, which is the industry leader from a mobile conversion rate. It kicks the ass of the major competitors, and if you want to get more mobile bookings, then you can switch to Fuel. That's what smart hotels do. So info at fueltravel.com or come see us at High Tech next week. And again, if you want free tickets, fueltravel.com slash high tech. So good housekeeping. Good job. Pete, good job thinking of this episode. Thank you for doing that and your amazing intro. Brittany, thank you for jumping in at the last minute. We, we appreciate you covering for Melissa. You did a stellar job, but the MVP has to go to Phil Fariska today. You, you educated all of us. So thank you, Phil. Thank you, Fueligans. Thank you for listening. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. <laughs> He's living the dream.